sometimes there are times in our life where we have no control. Whether you're like me and you like to be in control, or whether you're like Josh and you're more than happy to just go with the flow, there's always going to be times and situations where you have no control. We've recently watched, uh, binge-watched all four seasons of SAS Who Dares Wins. Now, if you haven't watched this, I strongly recommend catching up on 4OD. The contestants on that show go through a 12-day regime that is said to mimic the full SAS training. Now, on one of the days, the contestants had to walk across a ladder over an icy ravine. It was some pretty dangerous stuff. But I declared from the comfort of my living room, sat on the couch, well, that's easy. First of all, they have ropes. Second of all, it is a Channel 4 show. They're hardly going to let anyone die. But in that moment, for the contestants, they were so out of their depth. They felt so out of control that they were crippled by fear. Some of them couldn't even do it. It's in these moments, these moments when you feel out of control, that fear sets in. In these moments that worry and anxiety set in. Now, did you know that worry is a special type of fear? I'd never thought of it like that. But fear of the unknown is what causes us to worry. I think that's just amazing. The fear of the unknown is what causes us to worry. And it's what our human brains do with that simple fear once it reaches the part of the brain called the cerebral cortex, and we start to make fear complex. We start to add anticipation, past events, memory, imagination, and emotion. How many of you have done that? You've gone from a simple worry to full-blown panic. Maybe for some of you, it's you're waiting on a job. You've had the interview, and now you have no control over whether you get it. And all of a sudden, you start panicking, you start worrying. And then you come across those two dangerous little words. What if? What if I don't get the job? What if I can't pay the mortgage? What if we lose the house? And then all of a sudden, you've had a simple worry, and you're now in full-blown panic mode. I think we can all relate to that. I was reading an article uh, this week uh, by a psychiatrist on what-if thoughts, and he said that they are the worst type of thoughts, and always, not just sometimes, but always lead to worry and anxiety. That is how dangerous these what-if thoughts are. Now, what-if thoughts can come in so many different ways, from work to finances. Some of you in here, you might be struggling with debt. And you've got that constant what-if thought. What if I never get out of debt? What if I'm stuck? What if I can't give my kids what they deserve? For some of you, it is relationships. And your past experiences have got you thinking, what if they don't love me? What if they cheat on me? What if they leave me? Now, for some of you, it's a health issue, maybe for yourself or for a loved one. And you've got yourself thinking, what if it's not just a lump? What if the treatment doesn't work? What if the cancer comes back? For a lot of you young people in here, I know that you're waiting on your GCSE and your A-level results. 
You've done the exams, and now there is literally nothing you can do until the end of August. And you've got yourself thinking, what if I've failed those exams? What if I don't get into the uni or college of my choice? What if my future is ruined? Now, some of you in here I know have got teenage kids. Some of them have come to church and are no longer in church. Some of them are just not even interested in your walk with God. And you've convinced yourself that as a parent, it's only natural to worry, to wonder what if they get into the wrong crowd? What if they ruin their future? Or what if they make the same mistakes that I did? And for some of you in here tonight, it's the biggest what if of all. What if I end up alone? Now, if worry is fear of the unknown, and unless I'm very much mistaken, none of you can predict the future. Is it ever possible for us not to worry? Is it ever possible for us not to have these what-if thoughts? There is an alternative. Instead of all the worry, instead of all the anxiety, instead of those what-if thoughts, you can simply say, even if. Today, I want to have a look at how we can go from worrying to accepting that it will be okay, no matter what the outcome. I want us to explore this idea of surrendering to God, even if. Even if I don't get that job, I will be okay. Even if the treatment fails, I will be okay. Even if I don't get my dreams, I will be okay. Now, I know some of you have switched off in here tonight. You've already decided there is absolutely no way possible that I could ever be okay if that happened or if that didn't happen. And trust me, I know exactly how you are feeling. Josh and myself have been trying for a baby, and we've been trying for a baby for four years. I bought this journal at Braveheart last year, and I have filled it with all my thoughts and prayers that have happened over our fertility journal. Now, if I turn to October last year, my wise husband said, Josh said I need to be willing to accept that it may not happen. My response, no. I'm having trouble with this. I don't believe this. I'll never be okay. So I know where you guys are right now. And I promise you, I would not be bringing you this message if I had not been on this journey myself. So bear with me. There's a story in the Bible that I'd like us to go to in the book of Matthew. It's from the Old Testament, and it's a book that some of you might be familiar with. It starts in chapter 3, and we've got King Nebuchadnezzar, and he has just built a statue. And this isn't any ordinary statue. This is a gold statue that is 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And Nebuchadnezzar has declared that when the state musicians play, that everybody in the surrounding area must bow down and worship this statue. Now, reports reach Nebuchadnezzar that there are three Jewish men that are refusing to bow down. This causes Nebuchadnezzar to fly into a rage. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had to think then, were brought before the king, despite his rage, despite the threats, they refused to bow down. Now, the punishment for not bowing down was to be thrown into a blazing furnace. But despite that, Rakshak and Benny, VeggieTales way is a lot easier, they still refused to bow down. 
In verse 17, they say this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. And I love this next bit. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Wow. I love the faith of these guys. I love the fact that they are willing to not only believe that their God will save them, but also accept, even if he doesn't, I am still going to worship. Sometimes in life, we are faced with challenges, and we decide to face those challenges with confidence. But then sometimes, in the face of that challenge, things get even worse. Maybe it's a bad doctor's report, and you've decided, I'm going to fight this. I have got this. But then you go back sometime later, and nothing has changed. Worse yet, it is spread. Maybe it's you've had six months of rejection letters, but you really need that job now, and you get another rejection. In those moments when things get worse, how do we stop a what-if mentality? Now, if we look at this story, Nebuchadnezzar is so angry that he orders the furnace to be heated seven times hotter. Things have just got a whole lot worse for Rakshak and Benny. The blazing furnace is so hot that the guards surrounding the fire are burnt to a crisp. Can we have the faith of these three men, despite things being bad and getting worse, to still have that faith of even if my God doesn't save me, I'll be okay. Even if my God doesn't save me, I'll still worship him. Now, we could take some encouragement from verse 25, where Nebuchadnezzar says, look, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like God. Now, am I telling you that if you surrender to God, that everything will be okay? Absolutely. Am I telling you that the magic words to get what you want are even if? Unfortunately not. I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. The point of these words, the point of even if, is to be at peace. Rakshak and Benny were genuinely okay if they went to their deaths, and they genuinely would have still praised God. There's a second story I want us to have a look at in the Bible tonight. I love that in Rakshak and Benny's story, they pray to God, and God does come through. God does save them. But that's not always the case. Sometimes the answer is no. Our next story comes from Matthew 26. And here we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now Jesus knows his future. He knows that he has a future filled with pain. He has a future filled with suffering. His future contains death. Now he might be the son of God, but he is also fully human, which means that he feels all physical and emotional pain. And in Matthew 26, we find him on his knees praying to God. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done. In other words, Jesus is begging. 
He is down on his knees. He is the one and only beloved son of God, and he is begging his father, please take this suffering away from me. But even if you can't, it will be okay. I love that. Even if you can't, it will be okay. And we all know the outcome of this prayer. We all know that Jesus suffered horrendously and died a humiliating criminal's death. The answer was no. Sometimes the thing that we beg for, the thing that we pray for, is no. How do we honestly come to a place where we are okay if the answer is no? The answer lies in knowing who God is. And if you know who God is, you can trust that even if things don't work according to your plan, they will work out according to his plan. In the time that we've got left tonight, I want us to look at three things that you need to leave here knowing about God. The first one is know that God doesn't do what you're going to expect. We saw in the book of Daniel that God saved Rakshak and Benny, but he didn't do it in the way that they expected. If I was God, I would have used my power to put out the fire and save them that way. But instead, our God let them go through the fire and he went with them. Remember that verse? Nebuchadnezzar saw three, four in the fire, not three. I love that, that our God would be there and he would do things in a way that we wouldn't expect. If you read on from that story, it also says that they came out of the fire completely unharmed. They came out of that fire not even smelling of smoke. Our imaginations are limited by our human experiences. And we all know that our experiences are not always good, which is why we naturally go to these what-if thoughts. But our God is not a God of what-if thoughts. Our God is a God of even ifs. Even if you have to go through that fire, God will see you through. Even if you have to go through that fire, God will be with you. Maybe your what if is, what if I don't get a job? But you have to go through the fire of unemployment so that God can prepare you for a job that you had never even imagined. Maybe your what if is health. But God says that you have to go through that fire of cancer so that you can come out the other end closer to God than you ever thought possible and healed. Not a smell of smoke on you at all so that you can encourage others on that journey. If you know this about God, if you know that he's going to do the unexpected, you know that you can walk into that fire and know that God has got you. That God is going to work good out of your bad. The second thing that we need to know about God is know that God will strengthen you. I love the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane for two reasons. The first reason is I love how it shows the humanity of God. It is described in that prayer that Jesus is down on his knees. He is desperate. He is crying out in agony. I love that our God would go through that just to be closer to us. And the second reason that I love this prayer is because even though the answer is no, God is still there. 
You know, it says in the Luke, I did this in the morning one, I can't get it right. In the Gospel of Luke, there we go. It says, there appears to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Before the angel came, Jesus prayed, please remove the suffering. But the answer was no. And the angel is God's message to say, there is no other way, but I am there with you. There is no other way, but I will strengthen you. Do not turn from your mission, despite the terrifying prospect, and know that I have sent an angel to strengthen you. We see as well in the book of Daniel that he is in the fire with them. He is strengthening them. Whatever you are going through in here tonight, know that God is with you. God is strengthening you to handle whatever you need to. God is strengthening you to handle the fire. God is strengthening you to handle the no, whatever that may look like. Whether that's having the strength to handle that you may not get the dream of being married. Or maybe like me, it's having the strength to deal with the prospect of never having children. Know that your God is strengthening you. The third and final point that I want you to leave here knowing is know that God has a plan. Now it is important to note that your plan and God's plan can and often are very different. It's easy in hindsight for us to look back and say, yes, I know exactly where God was. He was working in the situation the whole time. But when you're in your fire, when you're in the middle of your storm, and when you're down on your knees begging God, it is hard to see his plan. It is hard to see why you have to suffer, why the answer has to be no, when you know that your God can give you a yes. Whenever I think about God having a plan, I always think about Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. For good, to give you a future and a hope. God is not cruel. God is not mean. God is all-knowing. God knows that you will make it through the fire. God knows that you will make it through the no. If we think about the story with Jesus, God's only son is begging for him to remove the burden that is upon him. Now, if, Jesus, if God had said yes to Jesus, we never would have had Jesus' death, which defeated sin for all time and restored our relationship with God. If we have ha- never have had that, we never would have had Jesus' resurrection, which defeated death for all time. Sometimes God's plan is bigger than our suffering. Another thing that we need to think about to have peace over our what-if situations is yes, we need to trust and know those qualities of God that we've just spoken about, but we also need to have obedience. Those two stories that I've spoken about, they had an issue and they prayed to God. They accepted even if, and then they were obedient to God. Rakshak and Benny obediently went into that fire. It would have been so much easier for them to have just bowed down to that statue 
and worship God in their heart. But they knew that they had to be obedient to God. And take Jesus. He's the son of God. He had the power to take away his suffering. But he obediently went to his death. Sometimes the fear and the worry and the doubt causes us to go our own way. How many times have you done that? How many times have you prayed to God and you've got the answer no? And you've thought, well, I'm going to do it my way anyway. Sometimes in those moments when we go off on our own path, we lose that joy and that peace that God had for us if only we'd surrendered, if only we had said, even if. The band are going to play a song that has been my anthem over my fertility journey. So just sit back, enjoy, and let the words encourage you. This time last year, Josh and I went for fertility tests because nothing was happening. They found a benign cyst on my ovary the size of my fist. It was successfully removed, but it has now left me with one working ovary. At the beginning of this year, we started our first IVF cycle. We produced lots of eggs. We had three embryos. But on the morning that one of those embryos was going to be implanted, the hospital called up and said that none of them had survived. That was one full IVF cycle completely failed. And with only one more funded cycle, it left us, though particularly me, in a state of worry and fear. What if I never have children? One particularly bad day, Josh found me upstairs in a full-blown panic mode. I had gone from zero to worst-case scenario. What if my one working ovary doesn't work? What if we're not supposed to have children because I'm going to die and there's no point? What if we're not supposed to have children because Josh is going to die? I wasn't kidding when I went to worst-case scenario. And it was in that moment that I knew I had to surrender to God. I knew that I had to change my what-if mentality to even if. So in that moment, I said, even if my one working ovary does not work, I'll be okay. Even if our next IVF cycle fails, I will be okay. Even if I never have children, I will be okay. Now, I did not feel like doing this. It was a choice. That mental state that I was in had robbed me of the joy and the peace that God had promised me. He promised joy and peace if I'd only surrender to Him. Surrender to Him. And say, even if. Now, I would be lying if I said that I wouldn't be devastated if I had never had children. And I will obediently pray for my miracle. But I know my God. I know that my God will strengthen me. That He will strengthen me to get through this. That He will strengthen me to get through a lot of my friends becoming pregnant. And He will strengthen me to genuinely be happy for them. Is it hard? 
Yes. Will it break you? Yes. But no one ever said it was going to be easy. But know that God will never leave you. Leave here today with hope, even if. Church, let's stand together. I would love to pray with you.